if I could be one person, it would be her. And I would not mind sniffing her feet. I know, I said it. It's the truth. Hello, and welcome back to 10 Pages In, the podcast where the person presenting always seems to be late with their episodes and complains every time they have an intro. And that presenter is me. Hello, my name is Synthal, and I'm the host of 10 Pages In, and today... We are having another classics book episode, which is both exciting and horrible because classics are always the most difficult books to get through, especially if you read something that has a higher language level or an older language level than you are used to. Which is something that happened this month quite frequently. But also I found that this month I started to see... Almost like I could understand the books and realize that some of them are classics. Just because they were the first of their kind. But not because they are bringing anything particularly interesting into the 21st century with them. And so with that, and me totally glossing over the fact that I'm two days late on this episode, let's get straight into the books for this month because I have quite a few as it's actually a combination of September and August. But before we get started... Let's all grab something to drink, something to eat, something to do, because I get so bored when I listen to podcasts. So if you're in the mood to just put this in the background and stare at some clouds or do your work and listen to this or do something menial like wash the dishes, then do that while this is playing in the background, because I understand that podcasts are not the most captivating media to consume but without further ado let's get started with the books for this month so the first book i read in august was the scarlet letter by nathaniel hawthorne which is an interesting name to have because it is also the name of the famous wealthy family in inheritance games which is a very weird commonality between these two books that kind of threw me off a little bit um but i think most people would remember the scarlet letter because of its um how do i call how do i say it it's Adaptation, which is Easy A, which is a very stereotypical 2000s raunchy film, uh, teen comedy, I would call it. And that's where I originally learned about The Scarlet Letter. But I didn't actually know 
how closely the Scarlet Letter and Easy A um, were related to each other. So I was very interested in what was the source material for Easy A because the product of the story in the movie is very, very different than this very old story. And so it was kind of interesting to see the new adaptation and compare it to its predecessor. And so The Scarlet Letter is about this woman named Hester Prynne, I think, and she commits adultery and has a child as a result of that adultery. And because of her sins, she is forced to wear a scarlet red letter A on her clothing until the day she dies. And the story follows her as she has to deal with the consequences of being isolated from her community, which is already isolated itself because it is a colonial settlement. So these people are arriving in an unknown place. And so there's only that town and nothing else. And so she can't really escape from what she's done. And also as a result of her adultery, her vengeful husband tries to find and seek revenge upon the man who Hester had this affair with. And at the beginning of the story, I was absolutely hooked. I was shocked by how beautiful the language was and the sincerity in which Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote but it quickly faded because the story didn't exactly turn out the way I wanted to because despite the fact that the story is about a woman it is written by a man in the 19th century and so I, I shouldn't have much expectations but I did and those expectations did not did not come out the way I wanted them to. So there's this specific scene in the in the beginning of the novel that I it brings me to tears thinking about it and it's between Hester and her husband and it's you it sets such a different tone and thought about the novel compared to how it turns out in the end. Um and so that's why I was really disappointed with the novel. Another thing is why I uh, was a bit miffed about the novel is because the person who Hester has an affair with never suffers any consequences or faults. He never has his life ruined. He never has to worry about being found out because Hester never admits who the person she had the affair with was and so he gets to live a life completely free of consequences and I found that Hawthorne never questioned this, never pointed it out as bad. We never get this feeling that the author is trying to tell you that he is the one in the wrong. 
it's more a, a novel about questioning religion than it is about questioning how one side of the party can suffer all the consequences and have all the power and it's never addressed and so that's what really upset me about the novel and why I thought it would go in one direction but it didn't and then I also thought that Hester's vengeful husband was the most interesting and justifiable character if he had been told as the hero or the almost the protagonist of the story I felt like it would have been more interesting and more entertaining and believable if we look at it from a 21st century perspective and so I had such high expectations but unfortunately it seems like they didn't turn out that way so let me just read a snippet of the novel so I can give you guys a taste of what it is and how Hawthorne writes. He had begun an investigation, as he imagined, with the severe and equal integrity of a judge desirous only of truth, even as if the question involved no more than the air-drawn lines and figures of the geometrical problem. Instead of human passions and wrongs inflicted, on himself like how good the beginning is just spellbound what's it spellbinding and just i was so mad i was like you could have done great things with this novel yet you ugh, makes me so upset anyway moving on the next novel i read was war of the worlds by H.G. Wells and this novel could go one of two ways. Either I'd worship at the altar of H.G. Wells for his contribution to society or I'd die from science fiction cliches and the reason why I say that is because this novel is essentially the original Martian invasion novel where Martians show up to earth and blow stuff up and ruin our society just because they feel like it and so it's totally understandable for me to have that expectation of the novel except that it actually worked out it actually worked out oh before I forget uh, I think I'll, I rated The Scarlet Letter um, 2 out of 5. Those two stars are only for that scene between Chillingsworth and Hester because that was the OG scene of that entire novel. Okay, moving on. Um, I really liked War of the Worlds. I think that despite the fact that it is the original Martian invasion story and that Hollywood has essentially destroyed that trope for me for the rest of eternity, it does a brilliant job of using all of the old things we know about Martian invasions and 
this is totally idiotic to say because it is the origin of the Martian invasion story. So ignoring that, it manages to keep all of those interesting elements like blowing stuff up and weird creepy aliens and people running for their lives and does it while not being stale. I don't know how to describe it to you. It's just, it's always interesting. You never get bored. And the most interesting part about this book is it's in a time where people are still using horse-drawn carriages. And it, that blew my mind because immediately I was thinking, if there are carriages in this, I'm imagining like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies 2.0. And that was hot enough as it is. So I was really surprised. I was like, dang, this is really, really old. This person is like in like ages ago where they didn't even have cars and now they're having aliens land on the planet in capsules and I was like this is crazy but I I loved it I thought it was fun there were moments of scariness and tension while also keeping the book fun and entertaining and light and I never thought I'd ever say this but the ending was extremely underwhelming, but in the best way possible. I think the way H.G. Wells ended this novel was so underwhelming and brilliant and innovative, and it was so clever compared to what I have seen alien invasion movies to turn out like. It's fresh and exciting and I don't think any sci-fi fan would ever get bored of reading this novel because it seems like Hollywood can't even get a Martian invasion story right anyway. Then for you to get a taste of the writing in this book, it's very accessible, it's not difficult to read at all, uh, so I would recommend it if you're looking at reading a fun, light sci-fi. So I'm just going to read a little snippet from the novel. Or did they interpret our spurts of fire, the sudden stinging of our shells, our steady investment of their encampment, as we should the furious anonymity of onslaught in its disturbed hive of bees? Did they dream that they might exterminate us? So it's extremely accessible and extremely good. What's not to love? Definitely a 5 out of 5. So moving on to the third novel, that would be The Turn of the Screw by Henry James. I was expecting scary story. I was expecting to be scared out of my wits. I was expecting to be so scared I wouldn't be able to walk in the dark anymore. And all I got was a woman who sees ghosts and freaks everyone out all the time. So the story of The Turn of the Screw is about a young governess who is employed to look after these extremely beautiful polite children who live in the countryside and she wants to protect these children but she becomes obsessed 
with the idea that they are in danger of people that have been in the estate before. And although she may have good intentions, she always seems to be causing problems wherever she goes. The book is described as uneasy and sinister. This novella shows a woman haunted by an eerie and evil presence that emerges from the terrors of daily life. And I got none of that. So, one out of five, I was bored. I thought there was more to the novel, like The Scarlet Letter is a critique on religion behind the story, but it was just... I thought I was misunderstanding the book because half of it went through my eyeballs, through my skull, out the other end, but I thought that I was missing something, some great, beautiful plan that the author was planning to spring up on me, but it it, it really was just everything that was said on the pages and nothing more. So I definitely wouldn't recommend it to you. Uh try something else. The fourth novel that I read actually started off the opposite to The Scarlet Letter. In The Scarlet Letter, I was captivated by Nathaniel Hawthorne's writing. I thought this would be one of my favorite books of all time, but it turned out to be very disappointing. Whereas with 1984, by George Orwell. Yes, I finally finished this book. After all this time, I finally understand what has everyone has been talking about and ranting about on the internet. And when I started reading 1984, I was a bit confused. I was like, okay, this is basically like all of the Soviet, USSR, China media that I know of. This is the reality of an extreme version of socialism and Marxism and all of that. And so I was like, okay, what is the internet talking about? Sure, the atmosphere was gloomy and slightly disturbing. It wasn't anything that blew my mind out of the water but as you read this novel and discover the truths behind it it became it becomes progressively disturbing and unnerving so for those of you who don't know 1984 is about a man named Winston Smith and at the beginning of Winston Smith's life, he lived an ordinary life like all of us. He had a good standard of living, a family, a childhood. But as he grows up, Big Brother and the government slowly take away his liberties, take away things, wipe history and wipe the past and make people disappear. They are the ultimate Soviet government that we all fear today. And so we watch as this government oppresses its citizens into doing what they want and being what they want them to be. And we follow Winston Smith's rebellion against the party and how his hatred for this government 
grows and results in his destruction in the end. I I was utterly distraught by this novel. It ruined me in ways I cannot explain to you. You begin the novel with this expectation that it's going to go away that you know that you are aware of. And to some extent, it did go the direction that I thought it was going to go. But at the end of the story, I felt so sick and like I was actually disturbed and disgusted and sick to my stomach. I was like, this is horrific because it chooses to go in a way that you don't want it to go and it keeps going. It isn't a story for the faint-hearted. The story is not for people who want a story that will have a good ending not to spoil it or anything but just be prepared that it has it took a lot out of me I was emotionally distraught I you feel like your trust of the world just turns in on itself but also because of the nonsensicalness of the story and the government and the world And as much as it doesn't make sense, and you don't want it to make sense, it does. And this is why I think this book is a 5 out of 5. It it did things to my brain that I cannot recover from, but it's a good novel to read nonetheless. Then I'm just going to read a piece from the novel. How could you tell how much of it was lies? It might be true that the average human being was better off now than he had been before the revolution. The only evidence to the contrary was the mute protest in your own bones, the instinctive feeling that the conditions you lived in were intolerable and that at some other time they must have been different. It struck him that the only characteristic thing about modern life was not its cruelty and insecurity, but simply its bareness, its dinginess, its listlessness. Oh, uh, I'm I'm getting nauseous just, just thinking about this book. Well, let's move on to more happier topics, I hope. Then after that, I decided that I needed to save my mental health. And so I decided to pick up one of the books in my Jane Austen collection. I have a uh, three book in three books in one set, and that's Northanger Abbey, Lady Susan, the Watts, the Watsons, and Sanderton. Sanditon? I don't know if that's right. It's actually four books in one. So I decided to read Lady Susan by Jane Austen to make me feel better about how horrible the world is. And so I read that one and I was yet again blown away by the queen, the legend, the icon Jane Austen, who is my idol. If I could be one person, it would be her. 
and I would not mind sniffing her feet. I know, I said it. It's the truth. Anyway, moving on from that fact, Lady Susan is Jane Austen's only protagonist that is a villain of the story. I didn't understand how Lady Susan would be a villain because the story starts out with her manipulating people with her beauty, her wits, her intelligence and poise while also stealing husbands and seducing men and just generally making people uncomfortable all the time. And I was like, you go, you are absolutely a legend it was just so entertaining to see everyone getting mad about her doing things that are hilarious to me and I was like this is great why is Lady Susan a villain and then when her daughter is brought into the story you understand why Lady Susan is the villain of the story and Although I didn't exactly enjoy that part because I found Lady Susan to be interesting and very modern for her time. And I thought that probably most people in Jane Austen's time would not have liked Lady Susan, but she would have been well loved in the 21st century. And I really did like her. I think I still do to some extent because... Jane Austen seems to write the most diverse and real and concrete female protagonists that I've ever seen in my entire life. We've gone from strong, independent Elizabeth to nosy and arrogant and silly Emma and to quiet, is it Jane? I don't know if it's Jane. Is it Jane? I can't remember what that... Who the protagonist of Persuasion is. Yeah, she's quiet and polite and very soft-spoken. And now we have a female icon. So I am just constantly blown away by how she is able to just create new female characters it's very hard to find a author who is able to utterly change the voice of the main protagonist every time they write a novel and yet Jane Austen just does it effortlessly like it's a Tuesday night and I I am there for it and I will continue to devour her work and love it to a nauseating extent. Five out of five for me. I don't even have to tell you. Just read Jane Austen, please. Or have someone read it to you or listen to an audiobook. It's such a fun time to listen to, honestly, especially if you get a narrator that does a British accent. It's just the best. So the last book I read this month is The Private Memoirs and Confessions of a Justified Sinner by James Hogg. Now, this story is a bit of a weird one for me because I don't know how to feel about it because the story is essentially about a character. I can't remember their name. I don't think they're named in the novel, 
who is involved in a series of crimes and murders and this character does things that are criminal and cruel because he thinks that his salvation or the fact that he will go to heaven is a predetermined fact that no matter what he does if it's in the name of Christianity and religion then he will never be held accountable for it and he will always go to heaven and so that's why it's called the confessions of a justified sinner and the story is about how harmful religion can be because people can use it as a way to justify their acts or their crimes because it's set in the early days of the 18th century where a lot of religious and political strife was going on and so the story is kind of told in I would describe as a fairy tale because you never really get a connection with the character because there are never there are never moments where you slow down and the character processes things and you can process with them and you can feel with them um, because it's quite similar in a sense to crime and punishment except in crime and punishment there is a lot more slowing down processing thinking as the main character what does the main character feel like in this moment it's almost told like exterior to the character even though we are in his perspective and so i could never really get an accurate you know i could never really connect with the novel itself even though james hogg seems to be a brilliant author there are so many lines in this book that are just beautiful and that are written really really well but because they weren't moments where i could connect to the character because it was almost told like a cautionary tale or a religious allegory i couldn't really connect with it a lot and that's why i don't really know how to feel about this book i would give it a three out of five because it's surprisingly good compared to the more prominent books i read this month and i got it on sale and i wasn't really expecting much but i was i was actually pretty happy with the content except for the fact that i was reading it in the worst week of my life and it took me like twenty thousand years to finish it and so just to give you a sense of the writing i'll read you a snippet of the novel hath he not built his stories in the heavens and laid the foundations thereof in the earth how can being like thee judge between good and evil that are both subjects to the workings of his hand or of the opposing principles in the soul of man correcting modifying and refining one another see it's it's got some great stuff in it but i just couldn't get past it and that might have been the fact that i'm not really one for religious texts 
texts. I'm not really a very religious person, so I cannot relate to theology as much, but I can appreciate it from an objective perspective. And so I still can recognize James Hogg as a good writer. And had I been a different person, I think I would be a lot more touched by his novel. And with that, that is the end of my classics part two or act two. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I wanted to keep it as short and sweet as possible because I know nobody has time to listen to a 40-minute podcast. It is not a reality that most people have, and I understand that. So I'm just going to end it all here. I will be on time next month. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope to... Well, I can't say see you again because I won't see you. But I hope that you will visit here again to see next month's video because I'm getting into some really intense books next month and I hope I will be sane after that. And with that, I say goodbye to you and I hope you guys read past the first 10 pages of your books. And with that, goodbye.